Hello and welcome to the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. I'm Chris. And today I'm chatting again with my brother Jim. So it's time for a mid-season fraternal review. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to episode 4 of series 4 of the Watford Jazz Junction podcast. And welcome to you wherever you are. And if you're a first-time listener, you're of course most welcome. As always, check out our website, which is being inundated with new information all the time at www.watfordjazzjunction.com and you'll see you can register to attend two new gigs coming up later in the year in sunny Watford, one featuring the Jazz of Dudley Moore with the stellar Chrissingham Quartet and one with Tofi Kofi's Quintet as they paint us a picture of Julian Cannonball Adderley. We cannot wait for both. Now... As I say, today I'm in conversation with my brother Jim Newstead, and you'll know him from such podcasts as the Watford Jazz Junction Series 2, Episode 2, and of course the unforgettable Series 3, Episode 4. A classic. But probably, if you know Jim, it will be from his ever-popular YouTube channel. Jim, hello, how are you? I'm really well, thanks, very well. How are you? Yeah, I mustn't grumble. All all is well in my world. I, I hear you have a funny toe, though. I'm I'm uh, I'm hopping. I'm, no, I'm not actually. I'm I am walking, but I broke my toe, and I know for sure that I did, even though I didn't go to hospital because it was sticking out at right angles. Oh. It was not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which reminds <laughs> me of a poor gag. Why should you never lie to an X-ray technician? I don't know, mate. Why should you never lie to an X-ray technician? They'll see right through you. Jump, jump, jump. Now, unlike your foot, is all stable in Milton Keynes? Uh, it is. And actually, there's a venue here called The Stables. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I, I did. And I realised at some point I should have asked you more about Wavendon and the fabulosity that it's The Stables. In fact, I do believe, now I remember, you've came, you came to a gig there with me. I did. Uh, three, four years ago. And Lottie, our sister. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think we took in the, the Ronnie Scott story from, from memory. But actually, that wasn't my first visit to Avondon. I rocked up there in the early 90s to a residential jazz course. Um, and I've been to other gigs there as well. Um, who else have you seen there? Um, I saw a Pink Floyd tributy type band. Nice. Um, you're not going to see Pink Floyd, are you, anymore? <laughs> well, um, certainly not at the stables in Wavendon. So definitely not at the stables in Wavendon. Um, there's also Wishbone Ash played there uh, three years ago, what was left of them. And I've also seen some comedy there. Uh, I actually can't remember at all who it was I saw, but it was... Um, well, you turned up to the final performance of my residential jazz course in the 90s. That might have been it. Yes, it did, it did make me laugh. So, uh, talking about listening to stuff, what have you been listening to? What's been on the Jim Newstead record player? Ooh, um, loads of stuff. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Yes. Oh, uh, go on. Which is Tim Garland was talking about Yes. Da trombone trumpety. Yeah. Uh, I can't, Close, I'm not very no good with cigar. this stuff. No, uh, Tim's a sax player. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some, something he blows. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, so the drummer with Yes of this period that I've been listening to, uh, which is... Uh, about 50 years ago, 1971, 72, around that period, there's a guy called Bill Bruford. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think he only played with them for a few, two or three albums, um, or maybe four albums, but uh, he then uh, went off and 
decided that yes, it was becoming far too popular, and he wanted to go back into the the, the murky world of jazz fusion, which is I think where he then ended up, and he's still still playing now. Um, but he's um, worked with Tim Garland, I think, hasn't he? He certainly has. So you recognise his name, but uh, just not quite the instrument. But not the yeah, but not the not not his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic and worth checking out. So you've been deep into the yes. Anything else? Um, uh, one of the well, something actually interest you and may interest the, the listeners to this uh, podcast as well is um, a record which I picked up a few couple of years ago uh, Go on. called Sun Ra, Sun Ra and his orchestra. Nice. Uh, space jazz. So the only reason I know anything about this is that some music that I wrote um, oh, five, six years ago and posted as I do onto SoundCloud Cloud, and get a sort of a few comments on somebody came back and said, "Oh, this is wonderful. It sounds like uh, Sunra." I said, "Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does." So, note to self: Who the hell is Sunra? So, I then had to go off and sort of do some uh, research and find out who it was and listen to some of it. So, actually, this is pretty cool. And I saw this record turn up after I'd completely forgotten about this. Uh, um, as I say, uh, a couple of years later, Sunra and his orchestra, space jazz in vivid bright pink vinyl Whoa. and it was only going for about eight quid as well oh. so you know what i'm gonna get this I, I may not play it very often uh but i'm going to and then it's been sitting in the collection and actually last week i thought yeah, i really want to listen to this and i did and it's absolutely brilliant i love it oh fantastic love it. yeah i took a, a colleague to see the sunra orchestra uh, ronnie scott's a few years ago and uh, I think blew his mind. Uh, but they're such an outfit to watch still. Obviously, Sun Ra is long departed uh, yeah, to yeah. the to the astral dimension. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I popped... that's where he was uh, always always going to be going there, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. It reminds <laughs> me though. I, I popped out the, the the front to have a smoke at half time. I think. And uh, there was one of the guys from the band. God knows which one. So I'm sure they won't mind me telling the story. He's going something like, "You got to smoke," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And he went, "No, I'm going to need something stronger than that." And he like he snubbed his nose at my non-jazz cigarette, and I said, "Well, you are in Soho. You're, there's plenty of options." Um, yeah, no, awesome, awesome band. Uh, so, James, who have we had on the show since you and I last had a chat? Well, let me tell you, we've had Dan Casimir, the great bass player. We've had uh, the singer-songwriter Jelly Cleaver, who was telling us all about punk. Uh, as well as jazz. We've had James Morrison, who needs no introduction, lest you confuse him with a blues guitarist, uh, when in fact, of course, he's a fabulous Australian jazz trumpeter. Uh, and Frankenstein. That's getting mixed up with. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, or Jim Morrison, of course, from The Doors. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, which would have been an extremely impressive guest uh, to have had were it actually Jim Morrison. Um, anyway, Anne Frankenstein of Jazz FM, uh, Dennis Baptiste, uh, he's a fantastic uh, sax player and talking about fantastic sax players and man of the hour, Tim Garland now I thought, what shall I do with you or to you since you're you're on the air and I thought I'd take a little bit, bit of a review back at the set questions which I summarily ask our, our guests after a little bit of hoo-ha and fun during our chats um, and I try to ask them a more serious stretching question so and I want you to review and, and, and think about what your answer would be. So the first question I asked to Dan Casimir as his set question was, is a bass player the party host or a guest? And I think it stumped him for a little minute or two, but then he started to think about it. And it was quite an interesting sort of sort of answer because, of course, the bass player drives things, but they also have to be ever present. It's quite a tricky role. What's your take on bass players? 
So if the lead singer or lead musician or the, the person of interest who's leading the band is the person you've come to see, um, so say that is me, I'm having a party, then the bass player could be the uh, the friend of or the, uh, or the wife of the husband who's there in the background sort of uh, making sure everything is working. And? What if they're so just there as a guest? They are... No, they're not. They're a host. They're a host, but they're, they're the working part of the of the of the um, of the partnership of the team. And such is a bass player's yeah. lot. And it might also indicate why, when we fiddled with the house band over the episodes, that so many people have opted to change uh, the bass player and or the drummer. Of course, um, it turns it occurs to me that no one is ever happy with a drummer. But what can you say about that? <laughs> Um, right, uh, now, where was the next question? It was to James Morrison. Uh, and my question to him was, can you be both spiritual in the music you write and sensational, or do they need to be kept separate? Because I was listening to a lot of his stuff, and there's a fairly uh, religious dimension sometimes, and it's very reflective and deep. And then other times, it's clearly sort of a showboating, get your, get up on the dance floor type thing. Um, what, what's your take on that? Spiritual, sensational, or can they both coexist? I think both. I think they both happen, and they both happen at different times for different um, different occasions. Uh, so there are times where you write music because you absolutely have to write music because you're trying to purge something, and that could be a spiritual connection, or you're you're speaking from the heart through your music. And there's other times where you just want to make people dance, or you want to show off, or I don't know if showing off is the right word, but it's you're right about showboating. It's um, there are times where it's literally just about entertainment rather than art. So it's, there are two two different things there, and I think they can mutually coexist. Yeah, sometimes even within the same piece of music. Yeah, funny enough, we uh, we sort of tapped on that a bit with Dennis uh, Baptiste as well, and he was talking about a chap uh, who'd got really angry with him after his performance. I said, blimey, Governor, I expect sort of most people to be either indifferent or, or, you know, really just go there into it. And I said, what's it like when someone's really angry? And he said, well, it's less about the person being angry. What would really upset me if someone had no reaction? So the indifferent. He said, it's fantastic, <laughs> ultimately, if someone has a, an emotional reaction. And then we got into that space around the responsibility, not necessarily direct, but you are responsible for an emotional journey for people. Um, and who knows how they're feeling of the day or what else they've got going on in their life. But I've never really given that much thought of a musician being a spiritual counsellor. I've not, I've not thought about it in regards to how it affects other people. I think most musicians would write and compose and play because they are trying to do something for themselves. It's a, it's a selfish thing. Um, but it's the only thing they, the only way they can, uh, as I say, purge these emotions and these thoughts and uh, and what have you. I think further down the road, when um, a, a musician becomes popular and is known and has an audience um, and fans, then it becomes a very different thing, and you become they become sort of absolutely conscious of the responsibility they have. There's there's a feeling that musicians can feel humbled. Mm. Um, that they are able to write something which has such a deep emotional connection to other people. And it's interesting because that's taking me on to the the actual set question that I asked Dennis, which was, does creativity help you understand your identity or does it end up defining it? And that's sort of making me think then around once you get to a certain level as a musician and certainly if you're professional, that the people you're playing for or the people who are paying to listen to you have a role in that 
journey as well and what and what you're creating or at least it must be on your mind i don't know mm. it's interesting what do you think about creativity and your identity as an amateur it's about very much about uh, creativity and it's a it's it's a thing that you do yeah. um but once you become professional and it's the other way around you're being paid to do it then it becomes part of your identity i think a lot more and that there is certain things that are expected of you wherever you're in wherever you are in life that there's a role of art and it can help you uh, in a therapeutic sense or it can help you in an emotional sense to you know to to, to tackle an issue and I yeah. guess when you move out of the amateur realm and it becomes a professional thing, there must be a part of you that either is so deep in the space of your emotion that there is no escape, or you put on some sort of veneer and it's a, it's a case of you'll never have the true me. Do, do, do you think people can see through that if you're not actually producing music, which is truly you, and you're just a sort of uh, a voice or a, you know, an instrument, but you're not actually playing from the, from the heart? Do you think people expect that, or do you think you and I might never know? I think it's, it can be... I mean, I can only talk about the experience from sort of some of the music that I listen to, yeah. um, but I think, I think it is obvious some, some bands and musicians go through the motions and present the same the same sort of trope over and over and over again. It's just sort of repackaged and slightly different. There are some musicians that absolutely progress and change and grow and uh, try new things. And I think, I think those are the ones that are more interesting and probably more in tune with themselves um, and, a, and presenting a real um a real thing so if you're status i don't want to you can say status quo can i say status quo so or even acdc it's they are producing the same record every single time um pretty much and the fans want to hear that and that's what they want to hear and they keep doing it i don't know whether they are purging anything or or growing or or um expressing themselves emotionally any more now than they did in 1975 when they first started or, or whatever it was uh, if the music hasn't progressed and they haven't got anything new to say it's just bringing out more of the same and people will buy it and people want to go and listen to it but it's not it's then a product rather than an art it's interesting right but i don't know i i think that people may think that that jazz is somehow uniquely creative all the time but there's a very uh important thing to to, to stress so Status quo, you know, sort of lampooned, aren't they, for having three chord songs, which are, the, yeah. you know, one, four, five, or the root, subdominant, and dominant, like a blues chord. It is exactly that. Yeah. But if you listen to most bebop or whatever, it's it's all built around two, five, one, um, and the relationship between the root chord and the diminished seventh arpeggio, which is all a bit technical, but which is, which is neither here nor there particularly. But what 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 I'm trying to say is that if you actually unpack um solos of, of the really complex bebop musicians you start to realize that ultimately it is formulaic and they're extraordinarily good uh ambassadors of technique and of of harmony and hearing it and not mm. jazz harmony just straight harmony um but there are only so many patterns so many things that you can play and therefore if you was to start i don't know bebop improvisation today james <laughs> you would suddenly realize that if you're following the rules so to speak there is nothing that you could invent that hasn't been played before so whether it's and if you invert it you know what i mean it's like and that's been done and that's been done and then you move between 
doing different things. But it doesn't stop anyone having their own take on it and their own ability to uh, to, to take it forwards. But in terms of looking for something that, that, that's truly unique, I mean, yeah, right, that's just not going to happen in, in that mm. idiom. And I, and I know that takes us into a different sort of space and, and thought. And I'm sure others may disagree with me. Who would who would yeah. who would think? People might disagree. Um, and I think this is goes. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit with uh, uh, Charlotte with me a few weeks ago. That there are only so many notes that exist. There are twelve notes, isn't there? So therefore, only an, a finite number of tunes and melodies and harmonies and and chord progressions that can be written. So at some point, of course, things are going to repeat. Absolutely, they are. But I think if you just play the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, the same tempo, the same time signature and the same just doesn't seem like it's it's moving forward. But people then buy into something that is very safe and familiar. Yeah. And uh, frankly, if I buy a Status Quo album, I want it to sound <laughs> like I think it's going to. You want it to sound like Status Quo. Yeah, yeah it's funny, isn't it? So then, then who did we have on? We had uh, Jelly Cleaver. I don't know if you know Jelly, but she's... um. Singer songwriter, and you've got this really pared back style, and uh, and it is really sort of finding her feet, certainly on the London jazz scene, uh, and write about her business. But the the question I asked her because some of her music has a, a very direct political statement to be making um, around various issues. So I, I asked her the set question. I said, "Is it the music or the message? What do you think?" I think initially I'm listening to the to the music depends on how how in your face the the message is but normally when i'm listening to it i i won't hear all the lyrics first of all i'll hear some of it but it's the it's the um the music which really carries me through yeah 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 more than anything that's so interesting i should run a re- i should run a listener's poll because I'm definitely the same. I can listen to a pop song and have no idea what the words were. Exactly. And I will yeah, yeah, always yeah. struggle to remember lyrics, but I don't really yeah. ever struggle to remember a tune. Uh, it's the same. I listen to, I've got some um, records that I've bought from uh, bands which are French and German and Norwegian and Finnish like that, and they're not, not singing in English at all. I have no idea what they're singing about, but it's brilliant. I absolutely love the music. Yeah, it's interesting. But do you think you can then hear whether something is... is you know, let's say it's a language that you just don't understand. Do you think you can hear the intent of the song, or have you ever got it so wildly wrong that you've been listening to something that you thought was hilarious and you suddenly realise, God, that <laughs> they were deadly serious about something? Oh, I'm sure I have. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, um, Jelly's also really interesting. She's into um, punk as well. She's into the on, on the, on the oh, London okay. punk scene. So I don't, I don't even know if that's complimentary, but it's certainly tangential to the to the type of space that I normally talk about in jazz. You've got a bit of experience in punk, haven't you? Back in the day, a little bit. I mean, obviously, I I say experience of. I I I know a lot of the music, um, but it's not it's not a scene that I've ever sort of. Uh, consider myself a part of or associated closely with. Well, you know who I've just remembered? Um, Nick Wilkinson, who um, yeah. you used to play with when you were a young lad. He oh, yeah. Well, yeah, he plays with Chrissy Hind, right, these days? He's yes, he does, yeah. But didn't he do punk karaoke or some such? When he lived in London, there was a, I think it was in Camden, there was a, a bar which did a, a, runk, a punk rock karaoke night. Uh, they had a live band playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he, he played bass with them. Nice. So, so it's literally it's like a, it's like you had to learn hundreds and hundreds of songs because you have no idea what people are going to choose. And then people come up and sing, and he'd be there, sort of uh, knocking out the old bass tunes uh, 
with the rest of the band. Genius. I'm, I'm sure I should know this, and there probably is such a thing. There should be jazz karaoke, so we can all go along and yeah. do our best Louis Armstrong or uh, Ella Fitzgerald impressions. Um, oh, well, I'm going to look that up and see if it's still going, you know, maybe in a post-lockdown world, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right, then who did... Then, ah, then we had Anne Frankenstein, who you may not know by name, but she's got a very mellifluous, is the word I keep using about Anne, uh, lilting Irish voice, and she's... That's a lovely word, isn't it, mellifluous? It is! It's sort of, yeah, it's one of those onomatopoeic words that, that sounds as it should. It's, it's, a, it's floaty. Yeah, and, indeed. And that's her and gentle. And that's her, her, her vocal narrative, if you will. But she's uh, <laughs> she does a bit of voiceover on Radio 2, you know, um, BBC 2 on the TV channel, you know, like a continuity person. And next you'll be listening to or watching XYZ. Um, but she's also a, a DJ. Um, she does the morning show um, that goes into lunchtime on Jazz FM. Um, okay. But I know, I know as well that she plays a lot of uh, live gigs as well as a as a as a DJ, um, and so the questions that 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 I ask are all relating, obviously, to playing music of others. But the set question was: Should you play for people what they know, or should you be opening their ears? So uh, that's a little bit uh, reflective of my channel as well. So. It's. I. I think whoa, it's a whoa, bit of whoa! Both. Is this a shameless plug time? No, it's not at all. Not at all. I'm not. I, I don't want to do that. But it's. But I. I recognise some sort of synergy um, with what you've asked her uh, in her position as being a DJ. Obviously, I'm not, and I. I do music that people have asked me to, have suggested to me. Um, now, some of the audience knows it, and some of the audience doesn't. Yeah. Uh, some of the audience knows all of it and i'm actually ignorant uh, beyond uh, beyond my own embarrassment that i don't know some like for example yes that i've been listening to recently um but there's other examples where i've come across music which is absolutely nobody's ever heard of at all and i'll share it on the channel so i think it goes both ways i think perhaps the audience wants initially something they know to make them comfortable but then interesting to uh, slip in a few extra ones in there that people have no idea about yeah, and might just open the, open their ears a bit. It's almost parental, isn't it? Because what you want to do with a, a child is give them the safety and security of you know repetition and, and everything's going to happen. But you want to also be introducing them to new experiences all the time. Yeah, and I guess that's the same with music, um, which is you know why the strapline of of our jazz festival is uh, connect with something new, but not supposed to be in a scary way. But you know maybe hear some stuff that you haven't heard before. The yeah. But if you did that in a way that's so out there and all you put on was free jazz, I think you'd scare everyone off, probably including me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting thoughts, man. Um, right, and who was... Who was uh, oh, and then, yeah, most recently, in fact, the episode before this, if you will. Not if you will. The episode before this. Um, I was speaking with Tim Garland, so you haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet. Um, and... Tim, uh, we've come full circle. Uh, we should be calling this the Tim Garland uh, podcast special, I think. Um, but his music is very reflective of the world in which he lives and exists. By that, I mean around the environment. Uh, and certainly if you look at the names of his tracks and whatnot um, over the years, they've all been uh, influenced by the natural world. Yeah. So the question I asked him was, the chaos of the natural world versus the precision of arranged music discuss? And I wanted to ask him that because... The, the natural world um, has a disorder to it, right? It is the absolute 
mother of chaos theory in terms of yeah. how things relate and impact, etc. But it, it's chaotic. From a macro point of view, it is very chaotic. But from a micro point of view, the closer you zoom in, the more ordered it becomes. Whoa. So, for example, okay, here's a, here's a band for you, the Mars Volta. Okay. Um, I've heard of them, abs- but I know zip, zip, zip about them. Absolutely crazy, chaotic, um, almost unlistenable on the first time you hear it, uh, music, which is just, it is incredible. But you, if, you, if you take the time and listen to it, and you can hear how it's been ordered and how carefully curated and crafted it is. So on one hand, it's a presentation of chaos, but you can zoom in sort of and listen to it closer and closer and closer and closer. And here, actually, the studio has um, has put a board around it. It can only go so far, and it's it's been limited in different ways. Yeah, and yeah. it there are there is absolute um, very very clever um, music theory stuff going on here. But just on the first listen, you can't hear it. So I think I think the I think the, it, there's both it exists in both ways. But I think chaos from or randomness isn't really music it can be musical but i don't think it's music yeah so if you're thinking about wind chimes uh hanging in a garden uh which are gently sort of making their little chimey noises as the wind blows through them it's musical but it's i don't think it's music oh why not um because i think music is a deliberate organization of sound and time to present something which you like. So unpack that. Uh, which is... So if the wind chimes are hanging in the wind, and the wind is part of nature, and the na- and the, and the wind has a, a causation behind it, i.e., you know, changes in, in atmospheric pressure, there is a thing that drives the wind. The wind chimes have been designed as an instrument, if you see what I mean, to to make no, to make music. In fact, the only thing that's missing. Uh, which is a bit, a bit, a little bit like chaos theory of, of that era of stuff in the in the nineties. But if no one's listening to it, it's just something's happening. It's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one sees it, did it actually fall? Type thing. Well, mm. yeah, obvs. But what you're suggesting is that even if I'm listening to those wind chimes, that itself isn't necessarily music. But if I hear music, then I've added the missing component, right? Because that's no okay. different from like Oliver Messiaen or whoever listening to birdsong and realising, you know, I'm interpreting this in my way and I can add this to the music I write. But ultimately, he was hearing music. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not trying to befuddle you, no, no, but it's an interesting thing because the randomness, the randomness of which you're, you're talking about, should that deflect away from whether it's music or not? Okay, you'll take it away as being wind. No, it doesn't matter. I suppose you're going to say the same. It'd be the same with uh, leaves in the trees or uh, water running in a stream or something. It's well, we could get very deep, and we can get into the fact that actually randomness itself is impossibly hard in a world with entropy. But you cannot, you can't then reproduce that at a concert for other people to hear in the same way. True, but then again, can you reproduce? anything in a live situation that was done before there would always be something slightly different and uh, no i said it's always going to be a, a sort of a, a close facsimile isn't it it's not always going to be exactly well the unless same. it's rem i think rem sound <laughs> always exactly the same is that do they use backing tracks I don't, well, I don't know if they use backing tracks i just think it's because they've done it so long that that what they do is exactly what they did the night before no christmas rem by the way fantastic band 
Um, right. <laughs> oh, I was going to say as well. I don't know why you've just reminded me. Um, but yeah, Tim also was talking about the musical magic that grips you uh, as a musician, but also as a listener. And I was, I was quite taken by yeah. that. But, you know, we we're talking about, you know, as you go through your life and your journeys and, you know, often the hardships of being a professional musician or, so, or what have you. But what keeps, you know, what keeps driving you? And for him, it was, well, that musical grip that he felt as a 13 year old is the same as he feels as a sort of 53 year old in in so much as there is a spark and every time he hears music or or writes it or plays it etc that's what's that's what till still grabs him do you do you feel when you put on a a record you know and you put on the sun ra orchestra this week did you feel that same musical grip that you felt when you first put on a i don't know slippery people record or no what slippery people talking heads or uh the, the slippery cult. people that's my first band Sorry, yeah slippery people brother i've forgotten them where did that come from yeah i don't know but i love it absolutely love it yeah no that was my first ever band when i was about 13 why, years why, old well, exactly <laughs> this is this is clearly why it came to mind why on <laughs> earth were you called slippery people because that was the name of a talking head song. and the lead lead singer in the band uh was a massive talking heads fan um so in the same way that radiohead is an rem song I know Radiohead's a Talking Heads song as well. Is it? No, Radiohead is a... Yeah, Radiohead, the name, is a Talking Heads song. So as bands have this... will take other bands uh, as uh, their band name. Motorhead was a Hawkwind song. Well, that I knew, funny enough. And I don't know why I knew that, because it's not my bag at all. But then there's a link there, because uh, Lemmy played bass in Hawkwind and in, obviously in uh, Motorhead. But anyway, that's And who was the... So David Byrne in Talking Heads, who is the, who is the woman singer? Played bass. Uh, is it Tina Waring, I think? Teen, Tina... Tina, is it wearing? Tina something. Tina from Talking Heads. Tina from Talking Heads. Shall I just quickly Google it? Tina Weymouth. Tina, Tina Waring was somebody I went out with when I was 16. <laughs> you actually went out with Tina Waring from Talking Heads? I went out with Tina Waring. Not from, not from Talking Heads. Tina Weymouth is the bass player from oh, Talking Heads. Oh, I see, Heads. right. Now I'm getting confused between my Tina Waring's and my Tina Weymouth. Yes, uh, me too. Hilarious. <laughs> that is very funny. <laughs> right, well, uh, well, I wonder oh, how dear. they're both doing. Um... Cool. Right. Well, listen, it's been a while, Jim, since I introduced you to the house band. Um, And Mm. where once there were seven, there now stand ten. Uh, We're growing like Topsy, but it still remains the tightest, slickest, sickest band in podcast show business. Uh, We still have Vi Red on sax. We've got James Morrison on trombone, Dizzy Gillespie on trumpet. We now have Jeffrey Keyser on the piano, Shirley Tete on guitar. We've got two bass players, with Jaco Pistorius and Christian McBride, Roy Haynes on the drum kit, Leanne Carroll on vocals, and, according to Tim Garland, we still have Duke Ellington, because while he swapped him out uh, from the piano, he reckons he'd still be out front uh, dancing around and trying to conduct and control things. Now, because you had a fiddle with the band before, uh, and you did very controversial things to the bass player, which I'm, which I'm not, I'm not going to judge you for, um, you're, you're no, free to no. do what you want. Uh, and long remain Kajagugu and their gift to the world um but, <laughs> but i i believe i i i'm reticent about changing any member of the band at all anymore it's, i i've i've been i've been burnt well, there been, i don't think i should do that burned. again you liked it but i'm gonna let you change something else i'm gonna change uh, i'm gonna give you a uh, album cover artist what? So if, uh, if, if the band is going to make a record, they need uh, some cover art. Oh, did not and, see this coming, Jim. Yeah, there you go. So this um, harks back to what I've been listening to recently, which is Yes 
And Go on. They have worked almost exclusively with an English artist called Roger Dean, who paints the most um, incredible, fantastical, fantasy, sci-fi type scenes, which are used on all all their records. And I just think they're, they're, it's wonderful, wonderful art. And I think that'd be great for setting this sort of slightly uh, fantastic otherworldly music that this band is now creating absolutely this this band is definitely otherworldly they're they're, they're next level but yes. we should definitely have a next level artist yes. why hadn't i thought of that jim you're done and you're yes. hired you, you've earned, you've earned your rights to come back another time as well <laughs> Whew. nice hey. work so we now have roger dean on artist which of course means i'm having to pay for 11 people in my fantasy band but hey ho what price art but he's you know but, but you only pay him uh pay him once to do the picture <laughs> It's not an ongoing thing. Yeah, so but every time the brand produces an album, they'll need a new album cover, and I've got a really, really strong feeling they want to be making a lot of music. So who ho, okay. how who, who de ha? Oh, well, I tell you, you ought to ought to think about who's. Um, no, no. Go on. No, no. So another question you should ask somebody else is what songs should the band be recording? Oh, Jim. Not who, not just, not just who's in the band, what the album looks like, but what is the music? Maybe as the band settles down. I'll say it's locked, and then they can uh, have a have a have a shot at recording different things. Yeah. Mate, I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, Jim, listen, cool. thank you for being with us today. Uh, and f- for those okay. who want to see Jim and know what he's listening to, just check out his channel on YouTube. Chuck in Jim Newstead. What 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 are you got coming up to listen to? Um, I'm finishing off this uh, run of yes, I'm doing, um, and then uh, I don't know what else I've got actually coming up. I, mean, I, I I just sort of take it. I don't sort of plan far ahead. I just sort of take it as, as day at a day, day at a time, as and when I'm sort of get around to recording something. So mm, what do I fancy? Let's have a quick look through the comments, see what's on there. So ooh yeah, do Jack, that. Jim, so this is no no particular this plan. Is, this is most. It's. Is randomness it's most chaotic? The um, I'd like it. I'd like people to know that we record the Watford Jazz Junction podcast months in advance. This has been planned out since Christmas. I know. Well, I know we're only in January at the minute. <laughs> uh... <laughs> hey ho, lovely. Well, listen. If you've liked what you've listened to today, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any valuable episodes. And if you want to know more about the Watford Jazz Junction, check out our website at watfordjazzjunction.com, or follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, or indeed email us at jazzwatfordlive at gmail.com, not least to correct the daft things that I probably said in the last half hour. Next time, I'm in conversation with bassist and free jazzer John Pope. Hurrah! Don't forget to keep your ears fresh and always connect with something new. So it's goodbye, lovely listener, and it's goodbye, Jim, and it's goodbye from me. Bye! Bye!